Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd206. All right, the NFL draft is finally uh, completed. Three days of grinding. Chris was grinding. I was grinding. Um, I'm glad it's over. Shout out to the uh, – a couple shout outs. Shout out to the Seahawks PR staff. Seahawks have a deal with Pizza Hut, so they sent us a free pizza coupons. So, nice. So uh, I was chilling, laid up, eating pizza on day three. Why they couldn't have done it all three days? I don't know. But, you know, my favorite flavor of food is free, so I appreciate it. Uh, second uh, shout out. If you were watching the draft, you probably noticed – during the coverage of it, that there was a lot of leaning into all the like the tragedies of the backstories of the kids. It was very weird. Like they treated the the fun facts of kids, or they treated like the tragedies of them like fun facts. You see, like remember the T Higgins, the kid from uh, I think from Clemson, he was from. They had his like mom's drug addiction right there under his stats, like on their little biographic, and it was very weird. Uh, they did it with your tear gross mottos. Uh, they did it with the receiver from Colorado. Just tons of kids. They were just like, hey, here's his stats. Also, his family died in a fire. All right, more stats. All right, next pick. Very weird. Uh, the homie Ryan Clark at The Athletic wrote a really dope column about why that was so weird and uncomfortable and, this is important, unnecessary and avoidable. So if you check that out, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the column, but it's on The Athletic. I think it's something about uh, where the NFL like crossed the line or something like that. It was very, very, very weird. If I, Chris, if I get drafted, I don't want... I want all the good stuff. Yeah, I don't want anything negative or even perceived as something that I fought through to be out there pretty much unless I consent to that and say that's fine. I'm not saying these athletes did or did not say that information can't be disclosed to the public, but at what point do you draw the line and say, maybe that's something we don't need to share with the entire universe? Yeah, and, I it, don't and it's a way that doesn't provide any depth. Like, I just don't know anything about you. I know what happened to you. And I think that's a very different set of circumstances. For example, Quintez Cephas, charged with sexually assaulting two women, suspended by a team, and expelled from Wisconsin. What, what, and then found guilty on all charges by jury, reinstated by school and team. And they had that on his bio. And I'm thinking, why is that? Ne- what? And it just adds nothing, no depth to the player. You just know something that happened to him or something that he did. It tells me not more about... Um, him like that's you know uh i think the really good example for seahawk fans is adam schefter uh tweeted about uh udfa they signed i'm gonna read the tweet Uh it says fiu running back anthony jones who has recovered from being shot in the face last year and is a relative of vikings running back dalvin cook will be signing with the seahawks per source like why is all that what what he's not defined by being shot in the face nor is he defined by being dalvin cook's cousin or whatever he is to dalvin Relative doesn't say what it is, but it's like th- that stuff was very weird uh, to me. It was uncomfortable and uh, unnecessary. These kids are a lot more than the traumas they've been through. You know, sometimes good football players, Chris, didn't have traumas. <laughs> sometimes they grew up nice life. All their family members are alive. Dads aren't in jail, and they go on to be good football players. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh, but anyway, let's move on to the Seahawks uh, draft class. I did want to just shout that out because that was weird. You saw, you noticed that too, right? Like I live, did. Chris. It, 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 it was unnecessary. Yeah, it was just it didn't. I didn't feel like I learned anything more about who the kids were. I learned what happened to them. How about oh, it's very he, different. 
he ran track for this team and led his team to state or something. Well, it's That's, crazy. They had that type of stuff. They had like high school well, basketball keep footage. Giving that stuff. Don't revert to something that doesn't really paint the picture of this student athlete. Yeah, they had like guys whose moms who were athletes or dads or you know what they, keep that they same like to energy. juggle, play the guitar. Keep whatever. that same energy. You don't need to go dark and and negative. Yeah, like if you tell me that he likes to juggle or paint or play the guitar, that tells me something about him. Yes. If you tell me that his dad drowned when he was two, that tells me what happened to him, and it doesn't tell me anything else. Like how did he respond to that? Who raised him after that? What did that do for him? Nothing. He just like oh, his dad drowned. Basically, you need to do a thirty for thirty on each of these athletes coming into the NFL. If that's what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have the time for that on the broadcast, so I would have just avoided those tragedies altogether. However, let's move to the Seahawks draft class. By now, you know who the, the eight players that they selected are, but we'll give you a quick rundown just in case uh, you need a refresher. First-round pick, 27th overall, was linebacker Jordan Brooks of Texas Tech. Uh, we talked about him on our previous show. Uh, Second-round pick, 48th overall, was defensive end Darrell Taylor from Tennessee. Third round pick, uh, 69th overall. Nice. Uh, offensive guard, Damian Lewis of LSU. Fourth round pick, 133rd overall. Tight end, Colby Parkinson. Tight end from Stanford. 144 overall in the fourth round. DJ Dallas, running back from Miami. Uh, 148 overall. This is the fifth round now. Defensive end, Alton Robinson of Syracuse. Sixth round, 214th overall. We have receiver Freddie Swain, probably has the best name of the draft, or at least on the Seahawks draft. Freddie Swain, a receiver from Florida. And finally, the Seahawks traded back into the draft, giving up a sixth-round pick in 2021 to use the 251st selection of this draft on seventh-round tight end Stephon Sullivan Question about LSU. this guy's name. It's spelled Stephen but then when you say it, it is Stefan. Yeah, yeah, no, I made sure to note that on the on the draft that class was uh, very interesting on the Zoom call with him. Because I'm thinking uh, Stefan wa- watching the Zoom call, I'm thinking all y'all saying it wrong. Oh, for real? Yeah, and then I hear him say, "Yeah, Stefan." I'm like, I'm like, wait, but it's spelled Stephen. I mean, I'm actually really happy with the names that they draft. They're all pretty, <laughs> they're they're pretty simple names. I feel like they've they've had simple ones for the most part, but I think like who who was struggling with last year? Oh, Ugo's full name is not like his name is not Ugo. His name no, is like it's something, uh, something like West African or something like something that, that we could not enunciate. Yeah, no, and you know I'm bad with names, so yeah, that that was the one last year. Other than that, I think they've been all right with the with the names for a little bit. Uh, Just a quick tangent. I'm sorry. No, people people care about this stuff too. Remember <laughs> when they drafted Mike Tyson? It was like, oh, they drafted Mike Tyson. You know, like. You know, a kid named Shaq. Oh, that that draft. They drafted a kid named Mike Tyson, a kid named Shaq, and a kid named Nas. <laughs> like they was, they was on. They it. were trying to make an album. Uh, yeah, no, they did. Uh, I like. I actually liked all those names too. Anyway, so that's the class. Um, I don't have a th- necessarily a thought on each kid. Uh, I'm a, I'm gonna throw it to you, Chris, because I know you got some thoughts on each guy. I will open with with this. I think the Seahawks draft classes and. Over the re- over the years, and this is actually all their draft classes. This is Pete and John's eleventh draft together. I think we can confidently say that the Seahawks subtly, quietly, whatever word you want to use, like feeling like they're the smartest people in the room. They like zigging when everyone else is zagging. They like being hmm. different. They take pride in having a different board, looking for different things in players. Um, and you know what, Chris? In 2010 and 2011 and 2012, that worked out. 
That was freaking great. They got, what, three Hall of Famers in those three drafts? Earl's in, Sherm's in, Bobby and Russ are in. So four Hall of Famers in three straight drafts. That is incredible. Probably the best three-year run ever, right? Since then, that has not worked. The 2013 draft was a mess, a disaster. Fun fact, who was the first pick in that 2013 draft, Chris? Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. 2012 do, Bruce do, Irvin. 2013. 2013. Do, 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 Why am I drawing a blank? Do, 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 was it a running back? It was. Do, do, Christy Michael? Yep. That's what it was. Nice. Okay. All right. None of those guys are on the team anymore. Actually, Luke is back on the team. But, like, the 2014 draft was 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 boo-boo. Uh, <laughs> for real. They only got one guy on the team from that draft, and it's it's Justin Britt. Uh, 2015 draft was eh. They got two good picks out of the, the, the eight they selected, Frank and Tyler. And 2016 was, eh, they have one guy from that class. Two, Joey Hunt and Jay Reed. So, I mean, it's not going well. I thought 2017 was all right. But what defined those drafts in 2011, 2012 was the value that they got on guys. Like, they took guys where they didn't, where people didn't expect them to go. And it worked out tremendously. You know, Richard Sherman... Cam Chancellor, I think they're both fifth-round picks. KJ was fourth, I want to say. Bobby was a second-round pick from a smaller school, didn't even go to the combine. Russ was obviously a, a, a midget. Or Wait, is that a slur? He was a little person uh, in the football <laughs> world. Um, so he wasn't expected to go there. And they look like geniuses. Chris, I'm not really sure the Seahawks are the smartest people in the room. And I think the last few drafts have, have bared that out. It's, you know... They re- they were considered to have reached for Rashad, and that necessarily hasn't worked out. Because um, I think first round picks should be starters. Uh, that's just how it is. I think they re- they were perceived to have reached for LJ. He hasn't become a starter yet. He could, but that is not even on track to for year two. I don't I don't think. And then you have Jordan Brooks, who is an inside linebacker. He played some outside linebacker in college. Um, but he was a Mike linebacker his senior year, which was his best year. Uh, they don't need a Mike linebacker, you know. We talked about that. And then they traded up for Darrell Taylor uh, at 48th. And I think I was using I was using a combination of things, Chris, during the draft. I was using Arif's big board. Um, that's our guy, Arif Hassan, from uh, The Athletic. He had a consensus 300 big board. So that's not what Arif necessarily thinks. That's... Like a combination of like people like Dane or like Bleacher Report or The Ringer, he like combines everything and gets a consensus on where people think picks are coming or like where people rank certain picks. So he had a board of like 300, which is a pretty decent gauge, I would guess, for where guys go. Jordan was like 84th uh, on the big board, and Darrell uh, was like 90 uh, something. Uh, I think even Damian Lewis was like 90 something. And that's not to say these guys won't be good players. It's just that it looks like the Seahawks were trying to be the smart people in the room. Take these guys no one thought would should go where they went. And I know the Seahawks claim that they were sweating for you know their second pick, and they thought Jordan was a first-rounder, and other teams thought that too, which is fine. We'll see. Um, but I just don't – I don't trust them to be the smart people in the room because it looks like they've tried it. It worked with, like, DK – uh, but that one was just so obvious, right? He was 6'4 and ran 4'3. Like, you know, Stevie Wonder would have picked that. <laughs> For real. Uh, at least he, you know, should have. But, you know, I don't know if I trust him to be the smartest people in the room. So I I come in skeptical. That doesn't mean the kids won't be good. Let me make that very clear. 
I don't know much about these kids. I just learned who the hell half of them were, <laughs> you know, this this week. But I come in skeptical just because they've they've tried this, like, we zig, rest of the league zags type of thing. Let's pick for depth when everyone thinks we're going to pick for need and do this and do that and get these character guys or whatever. They put all these bud words on them. Character, mature, refined, I think was the word uh, this year. They put these, like, titles on them. They use these adjectives. And then it just doesn't work. It yeah. just it, it it really just it just doesn't. I know some people are high on Marquise and Cody. Even then, we don't know what those guys are. Uh, you know, we we don't we kind of have a good feel for what the ceiling is on like a Rasheem and a Trey and a you know some other defensive players they got. I'm really just mostly speaking defense. I guess I should have clarified that because I think the defense is really the issue on this team. That was something we discussed when the season ended. What are they going to do to improve defensively? A, you got to figure out a way to bring back Clowney. That ship appears to have sailed. Yeah, I think that's a wrap. And right now, based on the draft, this looks like this is the Seahawks roster going into the season. Unless they get a few free agents that can help, I think this is what we're going to be looking at. Start week one campaign. We're not gonna. The Seahawks aren't going to have Clowney or Everson Griffin. Yeah, I would guess that, let's say, I think the rosters go to 55 this year. I, I think for... I can't remember. Dang it. I, I should know that. But even if it's just 53, um, I would guess what they got 90 dudes on the roster with U- UDFAs right now. I would guess that the I put the over-under on guys who make the 53 that aren't currently on the team at like two and a half. And I take the under. You're probably only going to get one or two guys who aren't currently on the roster, I think, making the opening day roster, whether that's they trade or a signing in the training camp of the summer or whatever. So, yeah, I'm with you. If you're on the team now, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is this is, this is is probably it. And it, it it's it's a gamble. The draft is a gamble in general, but the Seahawks feel like they take more of a gamble than everyone else and then stand back when the, the dealer pushes all their chips in like, yeah, oh, sir, you were right. The chips ain't been pushed in yet uh, yeah. in the last few, few years. The DK one, yes. On defense, I'm, we don't, I haven't been we, feeling it. We don't know. That's That's the question. We really don't know. The Seahawks go with a linebacker, which, which we talked about in the last episode, and Jordan Brooks, their second pick. What do you think of the second pick? What do you think of trading up? Uh, to get D. Taylor? Yeah. Oh, man. Was I saying his name wrong? Is it Darrell or Daryl? It's Daryl. I'm going to call him Taylor. D. Taylor just, just to be safe. I think it's Daryl. I think it's Daryl. I like that. I think it was a good move. His production in college was consistent at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight eight sacks the last two years, right? Eight and a half is last year and the year prior. Yeah, eight, eight. yeah. Consistent that's, production. That's consistent. I like he it. Came in freshman, didn't really produce. Of course, that's what you. That's what happens. Yeah, in the SEC too. Yeah, one of the best in the best conference in college football. And I don't think it's close. <laughs> and then you go to your sophomore year, you get three sacks. Junior year, eight, eight and a half from your senior year, and the Seahawks like that. They see that. Okay, he has a motor. He's a DN. He has some good feet, good hands. Good size. He's not a little dude. Is he 6'3", 260? He is listed at 6'3", 267 pounds. So we'll, we'll round up and give him 270. And he can move. He yeah. can run. You got to be able to move it that way, yeah. And I think he's going to bring it with the Seahawks. I mean, we saw on his Zoom call how excited he was. He's doing. He's working with Cliff Averill, former No, Seahawks. that's the other guy. That's, that's Alden. Excuse me, that's Alden. Alden. Alden's Excuse me, wrong person. But That's cool. They're all, it's, I know. <laughs> it's I all know. good. But ultimately, I like that pick. I don't know if they could have gotten other players. 
But I think that's what you're talking about. The Seahawks try to play the smart card. Like, hey, we see this guy being a gym in five years. He's going to be this and that. Whereas, like, just take the best available, and they might be able to do the same thing for you. Why take a gamble? And I think they are thinking they're doing taking the best available, but it's just like I don't trust them. Like, if everyone else thinks one thing and the Seahawks think the other thing, I think history has shown us the last few years everyone else is probably on to something. Yeah. You know, like, that. that's what it is. Now, maybe if Baltimore thought that. Baltimore's drafted really well um, over the last, like, few years. Baltimore has really well. Um, Trying to think of some other teams who have in recent years. I can't think. Baltimore is the one that comes to my mind that has drafted. Oh, New Orleans. New Orleans has been pretty, uh, pretty good at drafting as well. Like, if those teams were, like, zigging while everyone was zagging, I would say, oh, it's paying off. They're drafting really good dudes, you know, Kamara's and Michael Thomas's and Marshawn Lattimore's and their right tackle who just made the Pro Bowl. And, you know, look what the Ravens have done. If those teams were doing that, I'd buy it. The Seahawks, not not so much. So I come in, even if Jordan's a stud, if Daryl's a stud, it's just like I don't I don't trust the Seahawks who I found a stud. I hope they turn out to be studs because I want to go to the Super Bowl wherever it is for free. Where is it, in Tampa? Uh, this year, yeah, yep. Because everyone thinks Brady's gonna go to Super Bowl and Brady's gonna stink this year, but it's <laughs> another another discussion. But I just I, I'm I'm skeptical. Uh, how do you feel about the guard pick, uh, Damian Lewis? I'm not I'm not mad at it. They got a brawler, as everyone keeps saying. He is physical. That's a big boy. He just he just kind of compact. What's his measurements? His like he's like six two. 327, I want to say. Uh, I remember writing that. I'm pretty sure he's like 6'2", 327, which is just a big ball of just nastiness. <laughs> and uh, and for offensive guard, I want you to be like that. He kind of reminds me of Fluker in that regard. I think Fluker's a lot taller, um, I believe. But he's just, man, he's just built. He's sturdy. And he's strong. You're not moving him. That was Yeah, with, this, with me saying he's sturdy, that goes along right with it. I mean, you're not moving him. And when he gets rolling... Yeah, you're probably getting put on your back. I mean, it depends on the player. Like, he's not probably putting Vita Vey on his back. No, or, you know, but he's going like, to put a, a maybe a linebacker or a DB for sure or safety on the back. Yeah, edge, edge rusher yeah, if he's pulling. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is this is what the Seahawks want to go out and get. And you can see consistently they're going after guys that are going to be able to move the ball or move the offense with the run game. And he fits the mold. I mean, Pete says immediately, oh, he's going to go compete. Like, DJ Fluger's our guy, but we didn't bring this guy to sit back and – and watch on the sideline. He's going to compete for that position. And hearing that makes me wonder, wow, okay, do you, are you – is this kind of it for DJ? I know he just got his – what is it, a one-year deal, was it? No, he's, he has a two he has one year remaining. Okay. It makes sense why the Seahawks went after this guy. Well, yeah, Pete's wired like that. When he says they always compete stuff, he, he means that's it. not coach speak. <laughs> he is legit wired in a way that he, he is okay with DJ Fluker being angry right now. He's okay with, like, making it known, hey, DJ, we drafted this guy to take your job. And he's okay with DJ going out there and saying, all right, cool, coach, I'm angry. I'm going to go lift a Yukon Denali in my driveway because I'm so angry. Pete's like, yep, yeah, I love that. I love it. Um, like, that's how he's wired. That, that part of Pete is not coach speak. He wants Damien to push DJ to be the best he can be, and he doesn't care who wins. He's like, if DJ beats him out, all right, cool. If Damian wins, all right, cool. That, that's not just those two either. That's Phil Haynes. That's Jordan Simmons. That's 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 Ethan Posick. That's all the, another LSU kid. So I mean, yeah, that's I can get excited about that because I just like mean nasty cats. I felt this same way last year about Phil Haynes. Oh yeah, uh, too. You're big on Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's he's kind of like that too. Just a just a solid dude who was just nasty. I think he's from ooh, Wake Forest. Yep. 
guard from Wake Forest. So I, I liked both of those. If those two are the guards of the future, I can kind of feel good about 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 that. And when it comes to Damian, Brugler had him third on his big board with the other tackles. I mean, that's really that's pretty good. Oh yeah, third rake third rake inside guy. Oh yeah. And you look at some of his strengths. He looks the part with his broad shoulders, girthy frame, massive, eager hands, and flashes violence with his extension. That's Pete Curl <laughs> in a nutshell. Some of the weaknesses needs to be quicker with his reset, average athleticism, and a struggle to recover versus NFL quickness once beaten. I mean, these are things the Seahawks can work with. And based on what I've seen with the offensive line, I think he's in a good position to improve as a rookie. We saw what they did with Jermaine Effetti. Sure, he sucked his first year, second year. He still was struggling with penalties, third year. Well, God dang, look at him. He got a new coach who actually knew what he was talking about. Fourth year, Seahawks bring him back. Didn't work out. He didn't yeah. even get a good deal elsewhere, but he improved. And that's what the Seahawks, I think, really embody when it comes to these rookies and what they want to do for the future. Let's bring in a Damien and build him to be our right guard. And I think that's what they're going for right now and with this guy. I also think, like, the tackle spot's a little harder to – like, the tackle spot – well, part of Jermaine's problem was mental. The false starts and stuff is just all mental. It's like, dude, you know the cadence. Stop jumping. That, yeah. He'll, he'll tell you that. He told me that. <laughs> like, that that's his thing. But, yeah, with guards, I just need you to be physical and knock, kick some ass. That's, yep. that, that's really it. But part of it – the reason why I think it won't – that doesn't mean that DJ's at the door. It's just you're a vet. Yeah. You know things. You've seen some things. You've seen because there's a lot of communication up front, and knowing what to do is more important than knowing how to go about it uh, early on. Like you need to know what to do first. Because if you do the wrong thing, you're off the field. It <laughs> doesn't matter how big, nasty, strong, athletic, whatever. You do the wrong thing, uh, you're off the field. How you feel about a tight end? I didn't think they needed a tight end. That was, it was weird. I I'm with you, but then when you look at the roster and you see how things are pretty much shaping up, I understand why they went with the tight end. I mean, right now you have Greg Olson, who is on his last leg. This is pretty much it for Greg. He's got two legs, but I get I, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. And you. then you look at Luke Wilson. He is also an, a veteran. And then you have Justin Johnson, and then you have Will Disley, who's hurt, Jacob Hollister. I think Justin's hurt, too. I think Justin got hurt in training camp. I think he popped his Achilles. I remember that day. I think that's him. New Jacob? Mexico State, right? Yes, I believe so. Yes. Or New Mexico? I'll look it up. Right now, your only two starters. For, well, you can definitely throw in Jacob Hollister because his production last year was, was yeah, he good. was good. He was, he was good solid. He's a really good player. Last but year. right now, it's Jacob Hollister and Greg Olson. Luke Wilson would fall to the third, and then you have Kobe Parkinson. And the difference with Kobe is he is huge. Yeah, six seven two fifty two. That is. The biggest target Russell has ever had. Justin's from Mississippi State. I must. I'm confusing him with someone else. But go ahead. And I think the Seahawks are looking for the future. This is Greg Olson's final few years. Okay. Cool. This is probably his last year. I think he's already got to deal with the broadcast company. Does he need to go do TV again? And I don't want to jump ahead a whole other season when we're talking about this specific season. But I think the Seahawks are really looking forward to the future and who that tight end might be. And I think the combination of a Will Disley. And a Kobe Parkinson would be scary in 2021. In 2021, yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking too. And that makes sense. Could they have waited, or I don't? I mean, there are things they could have done differently and gone another. They could have got a D tackle, which is something I think they need, <laughs> especially with regarding the pass rush and trying to swap that run game. But I understood that move at first. I was questioning it, but looking ahead, the 2021, 22 seasons. Okay, Will Disley and Kobe Parkinson? Yikes. I yeah, mean, that's, that's... And Will Disley's already proven to be a red zone threat. He just needs to stay healthy. 
Yeah, he's a threat all over the field. He had like a <laughs> 60-yard catch his first game. I mean, and now you bring in a guy in Kobe, and I think this season for him as a rookie, he's going to be more asked to block. Hey, can you get down and get nasty and help the run game? And then that second year, you'll see him and Will Disley together, and it'll be a nice little duel for Russell Wilson and the run game. That is kind of my thought process as of today. I could be completely wrong. Two years from now, this guy could do who knows. But that's what I'm thinking of the, the Seahawks are trying to envision for the future with yeah. Kobe Parkinson. I'm not sure how great of a blocker kid is right away. Um, well, that's something they can work on with him. And that yeah. first year will definitely hone in on his blocking skills. And that year two, okay, now we see you can block. We want you to go post up on a block and catch a few touchdowns. His for catch us. radius is crazy. And you he watch has, his highlights. Oh yeah, zero drops last season. Yeah, he's a big boy. <laughs> he can get up. He he can get up. Yeah, you look at it. None of the tight ends you mentioned other than Will are under contract for next season. Jacobs on a one year deal. Luke is, to be honest, Luke's this probably is, not gonna make the team. Is, I'm, I'm, oh, not, I'm not kidding. Uh, that's true. For, for real, that's just probably what it is. Um, they drafted two tight ends. That's just yeah. It's kind of how Stephon he could, Sullivan. but um, yeah. So you really you're looking at a three three tight end lineup of probably Greg, Will, and Colby. No, Greg, Will, and Jacob, and then Colby in there somewhere. Okay. Right? And then where does that leave Will and Stephon? We don't know. Uh, so, but none of these guys are under contract. And then Will, by the time next year comes, that's his contract year. Yeah. So that's Will's last year anyway. So then it's like, all right, then what do we do? So I can. Everything is for depth. I learned this when I do draft mocks and everything. You can make any pick make sense for the most part if you really want. Because you can always talk about building for the future. Unless you're the Eagles <laughs> and you took Jalen that early. You After giving Carson an extension, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I like Jalen. He's probably better than Carson. But that didn't make sense. Anyway, the Jordan Love thing with the Packers didn't make sense either. Uh, other than those two picks, you can probably justify just about whatever uh, with, with the future. Now, the future pick... How you like the running back? DJ Dallas is an interesting prospect. I He doesn't have the breakaway speed, but he's physical. And during this time when the Seahawks are down running backs, they need a physical back, and I think he fits the mold. In the conference call with you guys, he was talking about he do whatever. He's down to punt return, kick return. I don't think he has the speed for that. I don't know if the Seahawks are going to use him in that way. No, prob- probably not. I don't think so. And I think he'll just be a, a, a solid running back. He talked about being physical on third down plays. I think that's going to be key for him to, to just hone in on being a great third down back and go from there because there are many times on third and four when the Seahawks are going to want to pass. Well, they need to have protection. If a team brings a blitz, you have to have a running back that's capable, which it sounds as if he is, to hold off that linebacker or blitzing safety or even a DN coming off the edge that's unblocked. Those yeah. are things he's going to have to probably pick up on early. There's some, there seems to be something in the water down there in Miami. I remember Chad Moore and the running backs coach the Seahawks talked about how well Travis was coached up to yep. pass protect. Yes. And I, I'm i going to assume they have the same coaches. I haven't looked into it that much. Not not going to lie to you guys. But I'm going to assume that they have the same coaches at Miami teaching the same things a year later. <laughs> Most um, likely. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Miami hasn't switched coaches, I don't think. I think they still have a, a guy that used to be at Georgia. Uh, pretty sure. Mark, ooh, Rick, maybe? I, ah, I remember because he took the job when Wazoo beat Miami in the Sun Bowl in, like, 2015. That's the only reason I remember. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if he can pass protect, I'm, the thing the thing that stands out to me with some of these skill positions is I like guys who are really productive. I think I've said that already, too. Um, for some reason, the Miami guys don't put up big numbers. Uh, Travis didn't. DJ didn't. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean you won't be super great in the NFL. I think Chris Carson didn't put up great numbers in college either, if I'm 
if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see. But that does stand out to me right right away. I also either either I want you to be really productive or really fast or really big, like that AJ Dillon kid from Boston College. Yeah, that was on your mock. Uh, yeah, no, nah, he's a beast. Or Zach Moss. Oh man, the kid from Utah. Some of these teams drafted like uh, I think three teams that uh, drafted really well that aren't Seattle. Sorry to get off topic. I think the Cowboys drafted really well. The Cardinals and the Bills. I think all of those teams. Uh, ended up drafting really, really well. Solid pick, though, by the Seahawks. You get a running back, someone that's going to be able to play, and I think he covers it. Yeah, I think uh, Chris Carson, in his two years at Oklahoma State, he had he only had 131 carries his junior year, 500 yards, four touchdowns. And then his last year, he had only 82 carries and 559 yards and nine touchdowns. My one concern is that fumbling issue. I know it was resolved in college. Who, Chris or the other guy? DJ, excuse oh, me. Okay. I know it was most it was somewhat resolved in college at Miami, but now coming to the NFL, guys are gonna go right back to China. Oh, Park. did you hear that story he told you was on the conference yeah. call? Yeah. And How did that, they and that's why I'm thinking I think players are gonna take advantage of that, especially if you had that problem before, and they're gonna be punching that ball. And he's gonna have to secure that because it's important to keep possession of the football. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's just if uh you probably read about DJ Dallas if you don't know, but uh he told us on the conference call um that in his twenty eighteen he had troubles fumbling. Yes. Uh fumbled I think on a kick return, fumbled twice in one game against uh another ACC team. I don't remember. It cost him the game. I think it was maybe it was Duke. Um he cost him the game and the running backs coach, who's also the O. C. uh suggested, Hey man, this must be mental. Go see the sports psychologist, Dr. Goldstein, I think was his name. Because, of yeah, course, it's right. Dr. Goldstein. It's like the most doctor name ever. It's <laughs> Dr. Goldstein. Either your accountant or your your doctor's name is Goldstein. Anyway, uh, uh, they uncovered, I guess, in these sessions that uh, Dallas was really having issues focusing because he had just found out that he was going to have a son. He's going to find out he's going to be a dad, and he, he wasn't focused. He had a lot of stuff on his mind, and he was just not playing well. Uh, whatever they did, if de facto, got his mind right, stopped fumbling, the rest is history. So if it's a mental thing and not a technique thing, I don't really know how that well that projects to the to the league and because so much of the game is mental. Like yeah. your mind, you're gonna have a lot of stuff on your mind in the pros too. Yeah. So, but hey, the Seahawks have a sports psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Uh, you know I don't. I, I was joking. You know I can answer. It's that. probably like Bloomberg or Goldstein <laughs> or. Inkelstein or something like that. I'm stereotyping. I don't care. I, I, I ain't saying that. nothing, you know, that is going to get us fired. So we good. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. If it's something technique-wise, I feel like that's more fixable than something mental. But and that's why I'm saying. They already fixed the mental. It's going to be tough for him because guys are going to be going right at him from the jump. Maybe that'll bring out the best in him. Hopefully. Now I sound like Pete. Damn it. Let's. Man, working for the Seahawks for these past three years, four years, it's, it's growing on you, Mike. Yeah, I know. Well, my shoe game is still strong. I like Pete's, so. <laughs> All right, let's run through the the last three real quick because we got a lot of questions. Well, Alden Robinson, I kind of mentioned on accident in regards to Daryl Taylor. This is the young man that's been working with Cliff Averill on the defensive end, and he he's just as fast, flashy. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I really am. I mean, that that dude is a monster. Cliff said he's a quick learner, too, which I, which I liked. And Cliff said one thing that really st- stood out, not that it's like the end-all, be-all, but Cliff mentioned that uh, I talked to Cliff the other day about Alden, he said, you know, I told one of the first things I told him was that coaches don't like to repeat themselves. And ever since then, whenever Cliff said, taught him something, showed him something, he receptive, easily go out there, fix it, done, or go out there and execute it real quick. And it's, it's subtle, but rookies struggle with that. Man, like, 
retaining information and the application of the information that you receive is part of the issue for half these damn kids. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> for real. The college defenses or college offenses get so simplified that you get into the college and uh, the pro level and you're like, wait, you want me to do what now? I remember there was a receiver, uh, this is from a few drafts ago, who had played in a spread offense. Actually, I don't think he got drafted, but he was in camp and he was like, dude, all that I had to do in the uh, in college, the guy would I would look to the sideline and the coach would just like wave his hand and I knew what I was supposed to do on that that particular play. Russell comes in the huddle and he's like, "Yo, you know, you know, twins, right? You know, Z, whatever, banana." And it's just like, "What is he talking about?" You know, like that type of stuff. So to process information and react quickly to it, I thought that was a good sign that Cliff has already seen that in Alden Alden Robinson. Now, is that gonna translate? We don't know. But I thought that was like encouraging, encouraging sign. We got two pass catchers left. What'd you think of Freddie Swain and trading back into the draft to get Stephon Sullivan? With Freddie, gadget guy. I saw. Think so? I, yeah. I, when I watched his highlights, he was he's ex, he's very explosive when he gets the ball. Boom. For example, he scored on two bubble screens. And those are hard <laughs> to score. On. Like sc- like long like down the field. Down the field, like caught a bubble screen and went down the field and scored. That's hard <laughs> to do. Bubble screens are supposed to get you first downs at best. Yeah. He scored touchdowns. Okay. I'm not saying he's gonna burn the NFL guys, but he he went four four six. He he finds rhythm and he finds holes and he's able to see daylight and he's gone. And I saw that twice in bubble screens. And then they do a lot of screen passes to him when he was down with Florida. I mean, the dude can definitely fit in with the Seahawks in that scheme. And also, I think he is someone that can do punt return and kick return. I just like his style and his swag. I feel as if he's going to come to Seattle and he just he just has that. He's got vibe. the sauce? He's got the sauce. He do look like he got the sauce. And he just, I think he's just going to fit well with this receiving core and this team. And I kind of want to see what he's going to do when he starts dancing with them, when he starts scoring, because that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from him. Yeah, he, looked like, he do look like he got the sauce. Like, I'm he just, was the man in high school, and I it wasn't because of football. You know, Come on, man. I just I don't, see it. I don't know why. We I, both see it, though, so it must vibe, be there. And I like it. And as far as Mr. Stephon Sullivan, not much there. I mean, no touchdowns last season. On the best offense in the country. He played all the games for the most – he played all the games. I think, I think he was in – appeared in all – they played like 15 games last It's a full year. I guess it was tough for him to get an opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, there were some other – there was better players in the field, but – The Seahawks decided to give him an opportunity. He's pretty – he's a big guy, tight end wide receiver. We'll see where he fits in if he does at it's all. It's gonna have to be tight end. He's too big to play. He's like what is he, six four? Two sixty? I think he's like two forty ish. Oh, I gave him twenty pounds extra. But I think he ran like a four six or something like that. Like that's not receiver speed in the NFL. Not at all. No. He's that's, probably gonna have to play tight end and that It seems like the same thing they tried to do like Jazz Ferguson last year. Um, oh yeah. And to be honest, that was my player comp when I mean. Oh yeah. Granted, I didn't see. I mean, I watched the highlight of him. It was two minutes long from last because <laughs> he didn't have any touchdowns. He do my man's highlight like that. It was. It wasn't the longest. All I'm saying is the immediate player that came to my mind was Jazz because oh, he was that big tight end slash wide receiver. He did really well in the mock game. He said my man's highlight was a commercial. <laughs> it wasn't long, man. That's messed up. Oh yeah, yeah six five two fifty. 254, almost 260. Uh, that's, that's too big to be received. He's a big boy. That's too big. He's going to have to play tight end, as you put it. But Jazz Ferguson did come to mind. I just don't see. We'll, we'll see what happens with him. That was funny. That was, <laughs> man, said my man's highlight was a blooper. That's, uh, that's messed up. I like that kid, too. Um, 
I liked him. He was really honest with us. I like the guys who would tell us all their business to strangers. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's just my job to be a stranger, getting in people's business. So the people who make my job be. easier. <laughs> yeah, we was really. Was he on the call with him? Yeah, we was, was all up in his business. Oh, your mom, your dad was doing crack. Tell us more. Yeah, your dad's in jail. Oh, your mom's in jail. Oh, you slept I mean, under you, a bridge, you, huh? You moved in with a good, your best friend and his family. Got no, it. it was it was it was a lot. We dug into that 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 dude's life. I know way more about him than anyone else. Any player, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, he's a, I know him. Like we <laughs> for real, like feel like I I feel like I know him. How are we looking on questions? Well, we got a bunch. We want to thank every single one of you for taking the time out of your Ooh, yeah. COVID-19 Sunday and asking some questions. Really appreciate it. Hope everybody's staying in and staying healthy. But Mike, you ready to do this, man? We got quite a few. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Let's jump right into it. Our first one comes from Shay at Shayway4. With the signing of QB Anthony Gordon coming out of Washington State, Mike's alma mater, and from Pacifica, California, my hometown, do you think he will be the front runner to back up Russ, or do you see the Seahawks bringing in an experienced veteran? I'm sure there will be a competition, but I know there can be a big advantage to whoever begins as the number two. Thanks, guys. I think Pete would like a number two um, to be a veteran. I just think that's what he would like. He's done the undrafted rookie thing before with a backup to Russ. I think Trevon Boykin uh, was the backup. Was that example? Yes. For like two years, I want to say. Trevon Boykin, who punched a cop in Texas, by the way, and lived. That boy is. Oh, dang it. I think he's in jail now, though. That's. Run that back. I shouldn't have brought him up. <laughs> he's not in jail for that. Uh, I know, but he, as you said, yeah, he's, he's in jail. He's in jail. That sucks. Um, I do think. Uh, shout out to Anthony Gordon. I'd be cool with him being the number two, but I also think, like, realistically, trusting a rookie to keep the ship afloat whether it's anthony gordon or you know a jalen hurts or you know jake Fromm, whoever jake Beeson, i just i just not really big on it for a team that like if rust something does happen to Russ, the ship be sinking and i i need someone who's gonna like come in and keep it afloat and maybe even like carry the team in some games so i don't know how well rookies are going to be able to do that and especially in an offseason that's not full uh i said this on twitter i wrote about it a little bit i'm a fan of bringing in jacoby Brissett. Um, the, the Colts drafted Jacob Eason. Maybe they'll make Jacoby available. If the math is right on it, I think it would only be one year, $9 million. I know that sounds like a lot for a backup, and it is. However, it takes one play for your backup to be the most important guy on the team. And if this is one of those scenarios where I just don't trust the Seahawks again. It's just like, okay, cool. You think Jacoby's too expensive? That's fine. What else are you going to do? And this, if you guys notice, the Seahawks backups have not been good. When's the last time Seahawks had a good backup? Seneca Wallace. Tavares? Rest in peace to Tavares. Seneca um, Wallace in that combo. I think Tavares is more recent. I'm going way back. I think Tavares was the backup to the, on the Super Bowl team. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a long time ago, though. So, you know, I'm not really – I don't trust them to find a good backup, and especially one who's, like, been a starter. I want you to have starting experience if you're going to be my backup. Because mm. if you're my backup, I need you to eventually start if something goes wrong. I don't need you to just flip coins. Like, I need you to, for real, I need you to actually have done it and, like, show me something. So that's that's where I'm at with that. I know some people are against that because it's too expensive. I agree. That is pricey. But how much would you pay to know that this, that your season won't go to hell if something happens to Russ? Like, imagine what that number would be. And... and and let me know what you think it, it should cost to get be guaranteed. I think Jacoby basically a guarantee the ship wouldn't sink. I think there's a few guys out there who are like that. Cam, I think Jameis is already doing the, the Saints thing. Jacoby and uh, Flacco. I think Flacco would be very similar. Flacco would probably be a lot cheaper. So maybe that's the better option. Uh, but unless the Seahawks go that route, 
they've been getting a bunch of guys who I don't trust. So that's why I'm all in on the Jacoby thing. Next up, Michael Social di- Social Distancer Extraordinaire at M underscore Devries. Tight ends. So many tight ends. What's the tight end room looking like when August comes? <laughs> I think we just touched on this a little bit. I think they'll probably just carry three with maybe one on the practice squad. So I would maybe they carry four with one on the practice squad. So maybe they carry Greg. Oh man, I need to look up what the roster is going to be if they're going to go to fifty-five. I know they're expanding for for game day to forty-eight. Um, I would guess you carry Greg, Jacob, Will, and Colby, and then probably have Stefan on the practice squad. That would be my guess. So that would be Luca odd man out, uh, Justin Johnson, whoever else will be the odd man out. I mean, they they'd like to play a lot of them, and I think the Seahawks are a team that overreacts to when there's like a lot of injuries. You know, they overreacted, like, Chris Carson got hurt, and then it was like, all right, we got a draft running back. Let's take one in the first round. Um, they overreacted, I think. I think they're doing it to tight end. Last year, they had a lot of injuries at tight end. You know, Ed never came back. Uh, Will got hurt again. Even Luke got hurt. So I think they've been overreacting to that, and we just loaded up. They were like, if four of these guys get hurt, we still have a decent starter. I, th- I don't necessarily agree with the strategy, but I think that's what they're thinking. Dave Sayers at Sayers 8. Where did your draft picks go so wrong, Mike? Hey, hey, listen here. Let's tell Dave, Chris, both of y'all, <laughs> I got one right. I got Damian right. I got Damian right. He was in my, my pre-free agent mock. I know what you guys are thinking. Mike, you changed your mock. That don't count. Listen, I only changed my mock because when I did my post-free agency mock, I liked the same guys. The team had the same needs, maybe except for corner. I just didn't want to rewrite the same guys because I work for people pay to read my stuff. I'm not going to make you pay to read the same thing twice. I try to switch it up. So I picked all new guys. It was all guys I liked still, but that's why I didn't include Damien in the second one. So I got it right. Okay. Chris. Mr. Collins. I got it right. (laughs) At first, Stephen Collins. Hey guys, couple draft questions for you. What grade do you give the overall draft? Which player are you most excited about joining the Hawks? What is one pick you want over again to take someone of your own choosing? Um, I don't have a grade. I'm not big on the grades thing. I ain't going to be the guy who gives an A and then they stink or give them an F and then they, you know. Even a C just feels like – a C is not a safe pick, by the way. <laughs> like people who pick a C. If you pick a C and then everyone – if you get the 2013 draft, you look like a fool. You pick a C and you get the 2012 draft, you look like a fool. There's no way to get this draft thing really, really right. So I won't do a grade. Um – I think my most exciting pick, I'm going to go with Alton uh, for some of the reasons I mentioned earlier uh, with the working with Cliff and the things that I I learned about him from from Cliff. And let's see, one pick I would want over again. I think I picked one. I'm going to go with the first pick. I think at 27, if they were set on picking, I think I would have still liked gross models from Penn State. I think I would have liked that. Or... Nope, nope. Let's just go there. Who you got? Grab, grab, draft grade. I get the Seahawks to see. Which player are you most excited about joining the Hawks? I have two. It is our young stud at Alton Robinson. And I'm going to go tight end. I'm going to go Kobe Parkinson. I really think he is going to be something the Seahawks build into a He's monster. got some really good skills, for yeah, real. Yeah, and that's why I did go with two. And one pick, they got to take Josh Uche, man. Yeah, man, that was weird, man. He went at 60. <laughs> Everyone mocked him to the Seahawks at 59. Like, he was there. That would have that been my guy. Who picked him? New England. New of England. Course. Man, watch him be good. You New know he's going to be good. 
I, I thought he would be good with the Seahawks. <laughs> I just I, I just think he's gonna be good. It feels like when the Patriots picked that uh, that one that white boy that's a pass rusher. Didn't they pick him? Chase Winovich or something like that? Yes, and he's he's. Made. I think he's gonna be good too. All right, what else we got? First round reach, perfect name. At the real Luigi underscore said the Seahawks can't resign Clowney. Where do you think he'll go? Uh, I haven't really thought about where I think he'll go. Tennessee would be my guess. That's the only thing, only rumor I'm hearing. Tennessee, Tampa Bay has become very attractive for free agents. Well, yeah, that makes sense now. I mean, think about it. The same logic that you like, if you're like, oh, I want to play with a championship quarterback. Like, this, you can apply that same logic to Green Bay, uh, New Orleans, Seattle, uh, and Baltimore. Oh, that's the other one, Baltimore. I will go Baltimore. Tampa Bay, too. Those three would be my, if I had to pick one, put me on the spot, uh, Tennessee. And as part two, what will Seattle do to get that blue chip player on their defensive line? Griffin, Chris Jones. Okay, A, I don't think Everson Griffin's a blue chip player on the D line, but I get your point. Chris Jones, it'll be too expensive. Um, I don't think they will. Like like we said earlier, if you're on the roster, this is probably it. Yeah. They probably add maybe one or two more guys, but I think it'll be like Cassius Marsh, Nate Orchard types. If you guys remember Nate Orchard, dude from Hard Knocks. <laughs> I think it'll be like those type of signings. I don't know if you're going to get another Ziggy. T- I guess Everson Griffin would be Ziggy-ish. Just healthy. <laughs> yeah, healthy Ziggy. Uh, but I don't. I really think this is it, man. It's not that much talent in May, <laughs> you know, on the, on the market. Next up, Zach Powers at Zach Powers 253 is there a chance old ass Greg Olson doesn't make the team? That's messed up, man. What Greg do? What G Reg do, Zach? That's cold. Um, nah, his uh, he paid him too much. I think five point five million guaranteed. I think uh, he making the team. Now someone like Luke, who's probably on the minimum, but that's that's more in danger. Even Hollister, what's he at? Two mil, two point one. Yeah, yeah. The, the the the, I think he got the second round tender. I think. Uh, so yeah, those guys are more in danger than Greg. G Reg is solidified. Danny. At DB Hawks 19, how do you read Pete, Pete's answer about the nickel position? I think Joe Fan asked it in the post presser. Pete wanted to hide what they plan to do f- for now. Um, yeah, so Pete did kind of just like not answer the nickel question that Joe asked. Um, I, I think here's what I think the plan is. I think they're going to mirror what they did in 2017. If you guys remember, at the start of 2017 season, the starting corners were Jeremy Lane and Shaq, or excuse me, Jeremy Lane and Richard Sherman. Uh, and what happened was in nickel, they would move Jeremy inside and then st- move Shaq to the right corner. That's what they, that was kind of their three starters, quote unquote. I think they're probably, we're probably going to see something similar. I think the two starters and like their base defense will be Quentin and Shaq. And then you'll see Quentin play it inside on like sub packages. And then you'll see Trey come back on the field. Um, I think that's kind of the answer. Um, would I want to give that away? Hell no. Will teams figure that out eventually after, I don't know, one preseason game? Duh, Pete. But whatever. It's that's They got months to work that out, so I understand. That's what I think the plan is, though. Next up, we're going to combine these questions. We have Junior Sanchez at jmoney42179, and we have Martin12. His ad name is RU underscore field. Who do you think will contribute the most from – who do you think will contribute from this rookie class? And then also – what draft pick do you think will have the most impact in this rookie class? I, kind of a, sort of similar, so I want you to try to distinguish that right there, Mike. Uh, Contribute, not, most impact. I'm not sure who will do either the most. I don't really think anyone's in a great position to do so other than the two DNs. 
Mm, yeah, I just don't think anyone's in a great position to do so. I really, I really don't. Everyone else is coming into a stacked position. I guess DJ could, could, but I mean, with the odds of that, or you would need Rashad's rehab to just go to hell, and then you would need Chris Carson's to do the same. Maybe not go to hell. Maybe they just keep him sideline a little longer than he should. But even then, by the time the season starts, they're gonna want both of them on the field. Absolutely. So you would need both of them to get hurt. But if again. DJ, if DJ's out here balling, you know what? We'll save you till week 10 or something. That would be interesting to see if DJ just comes out here and he's just better than like Chris and Rashad, which, which is very, possible. very, very possible for sure. Um, okay, I think I can just talk myself into DJ. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> let's, let's go. Let's, I think I just talked myself into that. Well, uh, maybe one of the pass rushers, though. Maybe I'll probably go Alton or, or Daryl before Dallas. Just the D line is just like no one's job is guaranteed on yeah. the D line. Next up, Zach's at Zach Yojin. Based on the D-line picks, is it safe to assume they are putting a lot of faith on Rasheem Green and LJ Collier to contribute more? Oh, absolutely. And this was before the draft. I talked to somebody in the Combine who was pretty plugged into what the Seahawks are thinking. They love Rasheem, man. And John Snyder's mentioned this before. They they basically figured they were medically redshirting LJ. Even though he was out there, they kind of knew that his, his injury would, would, would kill any shot of being productive. Like John has said it, and I've heard this from other people in the organization too. They thought when he got hurt in July last year that it was done. They thought they were losing him for the year. Just to even have him out there, they thought was like playing with house money in a sense. Um, LJ, I don't think, sees it that way. I think he's pretty pissed. But pissed he got hurt, not at the organization. So I would I would say yes to answer that question. They definitely want this. Their, if they had a, a choice, I would guess their four-man rotation a DN would look something like, and this is all in base defense, would be like Bruce and Benson and LJ and Rasheem with the other guys on ice. And then once you get in the sub packages, it gets a little trickier. LJ would play inside. Uh, Rasheem would play inside. And then you'd, you know, you'd swap Poon out and things like that. But you get my you get my point. That's what they would want. And then you have guys like uh, Daryl and Alton coming in just as pass rushers to do nothing else but that. Uh, ideally, I don't know if that's how it's gonna work, but that's that's probably the plan. Cool. McAllister Clark at Mac Clark twenty one. Go Cougs! It sounds like right here. When will Gordon take over Wilson? Week three. Week one, baby. Don't <laughs> sell him short. Don't sell Air Gordon short, baby. Let him just come over. Let's do it. Let's sling it. <laughs> Let's sling the rock around with Air Gordon. I love it. Go Cougs. Tom Saltwell at Tom Saltwell. Is there any plan? For DeMarcus Christmas with all these new draftees and takes, however you want to call it. Well, they didn't draft any tackles, so the plan for DeMarcus doesn't change. I think that they're uh, they're really willing to be bargain choppers on the whole defensive tackle front. I think getting Puna late like that is kind of like making them that way. So I think we still got Nas, too. Uh, as well, Brian Monet. Like, look at this. This is Nas, Brian Monet, Demarcus. These are not expensive guys. I think they'll count on all these guys to. I'm gonna sound like compete. I'm gonna sound like Pete again. I was gonna say they're count on all these guys to compete. I gotta stop sounding like that dude. Uh, so yes, the plan is still the same with Demarcus. Have him get healthy. He was hurt all year last year, uh, and see what he can do. I think it was a sixth round pick though, so no guarantee he makes the squad. I think their UDFA class has like three defensive tackles in it, so we'll see. All right. J. Cole, and we are not talking about the rapper, at Jamie underscore Kenamore. With some of these draft choices, is there a chance we can see some cuts from players on the team 
linemen, tight ends, for more cap space to bolster the defensive line. Thanks for the pod and appreciate y'all's hard work. Appreciate the love there. The problem with some of these cuts is there's not that many people making money. I mean, like, DJ's making money, uh, Fluker. Um, I think you save, like, f- four mil, maybe, with him. Um, none of the tight ends are making anything but G-Reg. Um, I don't think they'd cut him to to make more space than the D-line. There's really not that many expensive D-linemen out there. I feel like that's, uh, like, important to note. Like, I, I, this is me assuming, too, that, like, Yannick is, Ngakwe is not an option, things like that. There ain't that many dudes out there that clear the space for it. I don't think they're going to cut, like, KJ um, for for space. I, I really don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I mean, there could be some cuts, but I don't know if it'll be, like, for that, that many big cuts for cap purposes. I think if you see someone like Luke cut or, you know, DJ, it's because they have, they have people that are, that are better, not necessarily like, oh, well, let's cut these guys to sign Everson Griffin. All right. Next up, Christian at C-H-R underscore S-N underscore X underscore N. I see what you did there. All solid players with enough upside to become starters down the stretch. But as a Seahawks fans, it's pretty hard to ignore that they weren't able to give Russ a big-time playmaker that he deserves or even address their needs. Do you think this is it? This is the last draft for Pete and John Schneider? No, I don't think it's their last draft. They need to have multiple, like, 2013 drafts for there to be any changes and even then Pete's the coach so if he makes it work then he won't go that's just maybe they'll fire some scouts or your director or player personnel or some you know or pro personnel those guys go maybe Schneider goes but it wouldn't be a case of Pete going and you need go guys go look at the 2013 draft it was bad for a lot of teams but the Seahawks really 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 whiffed on that one you need drafts like that if you're still getting Franks and Tylers and even Jay Reeds in your draft classes, Quentin Jefferson just got the bag. Like, he's a 2016 guy. So, I mean, if you're getting dudes like that, you'll stay around. And if your team is winning. I should, team's got to win. But that's what Pete does, you know. Jonathan Lule at Mr. John Chempo. Is KJ Wright on the chopping block for the roster? Pete discussed getting faster and didn't mention Brooks playing with Bobby and KJ only mentioned him playing with Bobby. Uh, no, nah, nah, he mentioned KJ, too. Uh, there was something on that last question I wanted to uh, to go back to. I forget what it was. Oh, getting Russ a big-time playmaker. I don't think Russ needs big-time playmakers on offense in the draft, necessarily. I really think he needs defensive playmakers, and that's what I wanted to see because that's what the defense— the defense is the problem, for real. As much as I complain about Pete and Shoddy and the philosophy, screw all that. They put up points. The defense allows points. That's why they lose. Am I bad for the KJ one? You pretty much answered already. Oh or? yeah, no, no, they're not gonna. The Jordan Brooks thing does not mean Cage is out the door tomorrow. It just, it, it, it does not. It doesn't. Now, does that mean they think he could be the starting will in 2021? Sure, they probably think all these dudes could start in 2021. So yeah, if you're in your last year, you're always on the block, uh, but not necessarily in the name of a of a of a rookie who hasn't shown anything yet. You still gotta go out and prove. I don't think it's the same as like when they drafted Michael Dixon. John Ryan knew that was a wrap. Like. That was it. Because you can only have one punter, right? <laughs> That's it. You can have multiple linebackers and move guys around and things like that. Also, KJ's smart, man. He's in his 10th year? 10. Is it 11 or 10? I don't know. <laughs> 10. Let's go. This is 10th year, man. It's going to take a lot more than being a first-round pick to get KJ off the field, man. He, he's just better at this than a lot of people. Next up, William Nyberg at William Nyberg. I often hear Pete say things like, he blew us away in the interview after drafting a guy do pete and john put more stock into character and interviews than other gms 
possibly why their draft board tends to look a bit different. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. Appreciate the love, William. Uh, no, no, man. They drafted Frank. <laughs> Serious. No, man. They don't put no, no more emphasis on character. I mean, think about it this way, right? You get hired for a job. Dude who hired you is gonna say you blew you, you blew him away in the interview, right? They're not gonna say you stunk and <laughs> they hired you anyway. That's just how that goes. Uh, they could say that, Mike. They could, but how, <laughs> I'm, how I'm much not. of a fool would you look like? No, you're right. They could, but how, imagine um, that. Imagine Pete, like, yeah, no, we interviewed this kid at the combine. He's, I think he's dumb as a box of rocks, but John <laughs> said he, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, man. Of course they say that. Of course they do. Yeah, that's a box of rocks. That's how, that's how they hype it up, man. That's a good question, though. But I think, they're, I think their board kind of looks different. Um, because they like to think that they're zigging while everyone else is zagging. I think it, it becomes down to that more than character. I mean, Kristen Michael, Bruce Irvin, there's, they've had picks that, like, people were like, dude, Malik McDowell, like, plenty of red flags there. They just didn't care. Um, so, no, I don't think they place more of an emphasis on that than anyone else. I think they actually emphasize it the least. Um, I would say them, like the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Raiders, these are teams who are willing to be the island of misfit toys, for <laughs> lack of a better term. <laughs> Your favorite question, Mike, from Legion of Whom at Legion of Whom. Who makes the roster? Who doesn't? This is so unfair to do these kids the, right after their big day. You know, you know what? I'm not even going to do a kid like that. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I think we did it last year, and that's unfair. These kids have had just a big, uh, a, a, a big moment in their life. I'm not going to do that. I will just point out that when you get drafted later in, in later rounds, it becomes more difficult to make the roster. I will say that. Like, all the day three guys are at risk. I think they will all make the roster, but they are at the most risk. Mike at Coffee Dad 11. I'm guessing he loves some coffee. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I think Mike is Coffee Dad. <laughs> what were the challenges for you guys in evaluating draft prospects this year as opposed to past normal draft conditions? Keep up the great work. Appreciate that. It wasn't all that different, really. The main thing was just seeing how consistent guys would have been from pro day to combine, like see if they ran the same or things like that. But I imagine if you ran fast at the combine, you wouldn't have ran. You would have probably just stood on those numbers. You probably wouldn't have ran at your pro day. But I'll use someone like a Savan Ahmed, who didn't get drafted. That sucks. Uh, Seattle kid. Um, his college choice is his decision, but whatever. We won't discuss that. Yeah, it's whatever. Um he ran really slow at the combine, and he would have probably ran faster at uh, the pro day, but he didn't get that chance. So, you have maybe some cases like that. But other than that, it was it was pretty normal. I look for I look for traits in guys, and college production um, is the main thing that I'm always looking for. Like, are you? And then maybe I'll dive into whether you're smart. But whatever. That's the main thing is. Do you have some traits that I like, whether you got good hands or, you know, explosive, whatever, and were you productive in college? I'm really – maybe that would scratch guys like Chris Carson off my board sometimes, um, but he was a seventh-round pick, so I might have took a chance on him anyway. Uh, but, like, the guys who had, like, no touchdowns, or, like, you're taking a DN who have no sacks, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, that's – I don't do that. So that wasn't a problem. This year. For real. That's just crazy. Like, how are you expecting to be good at rushing a passer? He wasn't in college. Like, that's crazy. All right, these next two we kind of answered. Do you want to take a stab at them again with the second player, for example? Oh, of who Kyle, I think will be a, the best contributor? Well, for Kyle Rancourt, he wants to know a particular player you thought would have been a good fit. Is there a second player that you think the Seahawks should have taken a look at, but the Seahawks did pass on? Who? Let's see. I named Uche. I named um, – who did I name that first time? Oh, Gross Matos. Uh, I like the kid from uh, that Tampa took. Antoine Winfield Jr. Okay. I like the safety. 
Um, who else did I like? The, the tight end, excuse me, the defensive end from Iowa, AJ uh, something. Epin, epin, epin. Just leave it at that. Y'all know who we mean. Yeah, him. <laughs> uh, I liked I liked him. He went at 54. Ezra Cleveland, the uh, tackle from Boise State. I think he's from Washington, right? Isn't he? Uh, yeah, from Spanaway, uh, wherever the hell that is. Uh, is it? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway, those some of those guys. There's one more. I said one before you hopped on. Oh, oh the, the defensive end from uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Julian Ock, something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really bad with names, guys. But you guys know who I mean. Uh, let's go Aquara. Let's go with his name. He went 67 to Detroit. That was another guy I liked. I liked all those guys. As you can see, I was big on defense and tackles. And then we already answered. We combined all of those. What questions were they? They were regarding rookies contributing this year. Which player are more long-term projects? We already pretty much answered that one. Our last question is from at JPO Path. How does the draft process work for Seattle? Does John Schneider define the types of players he wants? Then who is ultimately in charge for making for the draft ranking? Excuse me. Are issues because Seattle is targeting wrong types of players, or is it something else? Ooh, this is a long. Uh, question to dive into. Okay, they try to keep their process pretty secret, but to to my understanding, a lot of it, if you notice in John's pressers, he credits like a bunch of guys you've never heard of, some scouts and some, some personnel guys, because they do a lot of the heavy lifting. Like John, if John's at a game, you know, he's if he's at a Seahawks game over the weekend, he's not at, you know, LSU versus Kentucky to go scout a Damian Lewis, right? He has to rely on his guys who have those schools or that conference or that area to do the research, to go talk to the position coaches and the strength coaches and figure out, you know, whether the dude's mom is on crack because apparently that matters to, uh, for real, it's just weird, um, to figure out those things, you know, like John didn't, how many games did John go see of Alton Robinson at Syracuse? How many did he go see of, give me a guy, of, of Daryl at Tennessee? You know, like he couldn't have, right? Of course they watch college football, but like you need to be on the ground, you need to see, know about how they practice. You know, you know they dig into their background and things like that. So the scouts and the directors of personnel take care of a lot of that stuff. And obviously, you do that based on team needs. Like every team has a list of what they need, and guys they they rank players based on like, okay, this is our need. This is what we think about this guy. Is how high we have him graded on our own roster. Like they have, you know. We think uh, all our good tight ends are in blue, and all our bad tight ends are in purple. And, color coded on a whiteboard or something like that some type of system to do all of that stuff and then scouts know that they go out they they scout traits and guys who would fit and you know then they go to the senior bowl and mess with guys there and uh, watch a bunch of film and do a bunch of interviews and meet guys at the combine and then like really whittle down their board they look at all the medical stuff Uh, so it's a definitely collective effort the ultimate who's pulling the trigger at the end of the day uh, is John and Pete like they're pulling the trigger, but there's a lot of people who have a say. Uh, at least in this organization, that what was John Gruden last year kicked all the scouts out. Uh, which that's, that's that's not that weird. That that's that's pretty normal behavior to like, you know, because you're the one who's gonna get fired if these guys suck. So at the end of the day, you sit there by yourself and figure out who you who you want. And John does that too. Like he will sit by himself and hash it all out. Now, and I think the issues are what I open the show with. We want to thank everybody for asking Twitter questions. We appreciate the love and support 
while we were answering your Twitter questions, we did indeed, of course, as always, Mike, we got breaking news. And we have to report this. According to multiple reports, and then you go and check Twitter, DJ Fluker even tweeted it out that he has indeed been released by the Seattle Seahawks. He took to Twitter to say, Dear 12s, I was released by the Seahawks today. A couple of things. I am not upset or hurt. This is a business and one that I've been in for a while. I want to thank John and Pete for their very thoughtful calls. Stay safe, be kind, and I love y'all. Thank you, Seattle. He is now gone. That opened, That saves about $3.6 million for, in that regard of cutting DJ Fluker. And then Justin Britt took to Instagram because he was also appeared to be released and he saves about eight and a half million in cap space. So you add those two together, the Seahawks save about twelve million dollars with those two players being cut. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, damn the Seahawks for doing this <laughs> right when we record. I mean, I swear it always is really frustrating. That's why it sounds different, y'all. Like we could you can't just keep linking up every time the Seahawks do something, man. It's safe. It's not safe out here in these quarantine streets. Uh, but yeah, they definitely made those two cuts. Uh, the Brit one, you could tell, was brewing for a while after they uh, signed B.J. Finney in free agency. I mean, you just don't need three centers, right? Especially if you think the center you got in B.J. Finney, you know, whose cap hit this year is like three million bucks, you know, and you, you think he's solid and you got Joey Hunt, whose cap hit is like 2.1, you know, together that's less than what Brit's uh, cap hit was this year. I think his was pretty high somewhere like 11 4 11 5 i think so i mean yeah if if you don't if you think you can get the production you know i need damian lewis i haven't looked at what the, the the salary is for him the lsu guard i don't know what his salary slot is but i would imagine it's south of a million bucks you know so you're looking at if you're getting relatively equal production from the new guys you brought in yeah you gotta you gotta cut some veterans this is why when people say you know you don't want to be in the middle ground or the middle class of the nfl this is it right here because it's either it's either you're Dwayne brown or you're a rookie that's mostly what teams uh want to pay they want to pay the best they want to just or get young cheap you know draft picks or you know low-cost vets like bj finney but i mean shoot that who knows how long That'll last. So, yeah, it's brutal for those two, um, especially for Britt, uh, just because, you know, he's coming off an injury. So even if he wants to go, you know, look for another team, which he probably will, how is he going to get the medical information to them where they can trust what his knee looks like, you know, after surgery, after tearing it? I think that was in late October. So that's tough. DJ should be able to find another job. He's really good, uh, really decent, you know, plug-and-play, run blocker. Um, but, yeah, that's – that's some breaking news right there. So much for competing, right? Chris, yeah. Like, that's crazy. We were just talking about, you know, how much we trusted Pete to, you know, really let guys compete. And he was like, nah, Damian Lewis got it. <laughs> Pretty much. That's exactly what it sounds like. I just looked up Damian Lewis's contract. He is set to hit 610000 base salary this season. Yeah. And if you his, – his signing bonus probably isn't like a bunch. Uh, so, yeah, he's, that's pretty cheap. If you think he can be – if you think he's even uh, – he plays up to that level of, you know, what his contract is. But if let's say he plays like a guy worth $1.3 million or something like that. And that's – even then, that's, you know, way less than, than DJ. So it's just one of those middle-class things that they did. Not terribly, you know, surprising. And, I mean, as much as it does suck for those guys and their families and all that, I will say this. Seattle's offensive line needed to get better. I don't know if they will have gotten better, but I do know running back 
the largely the same group of guys hoping for a different result in 2020 would have been borderline insane. Like, yeah. If they only swapped out Jermaine for Brandon Shell and ran back a Fetty, Fluker, Britt, and Dwayne Brown, that's, come on. How can you do that and expect to have a better unit? Right. So, I mean, even if you can't guarantee like Phil Haynes and Jamarco Jones, Jordan Simmons, Ethan Posick, Damian Lewis, you know, BJ, if you can't guarantee that they're better, it's worth taking the flyer on them, I think. Um, so we'll see what happens with Mike Ayupati, too. I think his deal is a lot cheaper than those than Fluker and Britt. So he might be he should be sticking around. But who knows? You know, he's got injury issues, uh, even though he's a really good player uh, as well. Uh, but I, I do credit the Seahawks for that part. Like, yo, you had to look at your O-line and be like, look, we gave this a run. Russell almost died. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Russ gets hit a lot. You know, some of that's on Russ. But Russ has never played behind an average O-line. At least an average pass-blocking O-line. He never had, literally never in his NFL career. you got to always try uh, to build a really great O-line around him as best you can. So this is their shot to try to do it. We'll see how it works out. I thought veterans had maybe a leg up this this off season with the you know everything being virtual, um, but I guess the Seahawks you know, disagree. And you know, in Britt's case, it probably didn't matter about rookies versus vets. But in DJ's, I thought he would have a leg up on guys like Damian or you know Jordan Simmons or whoever else, uh, but or Chance Warmack or whatever. He knows Mike Solari. He knows the offense. He knows Russ. Uh, but Seahawks were like, no, 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 it's good. We'll just roll with who we got. It's crazy. You look at the offensive line now, you're left with Dwayne Brown, Ethan Posick, and Mike Potty. Those are the guys, or Jamarco Jones. Those are the names that people remember. Center is going to be new with either B.J. Finney, you got Jordan Roos, you got Damian Lewis at right guard, Phil Haynes right there, Khalil McKenzie and Demetrius Knox, and then you got Cedric Abouye, Brandon Shell, Chad Wheeler, at the right tackle, I mean, the offensive line has been shaken up pretty dramatic, pretty drastically. Yeah, and it, it needed to be. Like I said, like it, it, no one on the Seahawks organization, I don't think, outside of maybe the O-linemen themselves, Mike Solari and Mike Solari's wife, I don't know, could look at the team realistically and be like, yeah, let's just run this back. Nah, man, even if you think that guys are going to get a little better, you think Joey gets better with more experience and whatever, some guys get healthier. I don't really believe in, like, necessarily getting healthier that much. Um, I mean, if you break your leg, obviously. Uh, but, I mean, it's football. You're going to get hurt, right? So I don't count on that that much. So I get it. I do get it. It sucks for DJ. is a good dude, but I guess I should throw that in there. I like DJ. He's probably one of my favorite dudes in the locker room. And DJ, Nico, Shaq, um, Quinn Jefferson, those are some of my favorite guys. Uh, in the locker room, just big personalities, super friendly. One day, DJ Fluker gave me a bear hug, which was like one of the most pleasant and scariest experiences of my life, all in one moment. Like it was, he was yelling, he was, he was, he was, he was squeezing me. It was very, it was a lot, Chris. It was a lot, uh, <laughs> but he was, he's a, he's a good cat. You know, I did a back, did a backpack, uh, like giveaway slash drive. I think last, what's that holiday in like September, Labor Day, one of those. Sounds right. Uh, yeah, he did like a little giveaway in the hood for that. So, you know, gave back to the community. Yeah, no, I rocked it. I rocked with DJ. But it is a business. Uh, like he said, him and Justin Britt both know that. Uh, and so we'll see what happens with the young guys. They Seahawks really need to put some studs in front of Russell, man, for real. They, 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 they've tried a bunch of different ways, but they got to keep trying. Like, they have such a good asset there that they have no choice but to 
turn over every stone, I think that's a term, uh, to figure out if they can uncover some some uh, some badass O-line. There it is. You know what, Mike? We did get a late question that hit my hit our mentions, and we'll go ahead and answer real quick before we get out of here. It's from Uncle Bill at Dangerously Disley. He wants to know, which new rookie, other than Damian Lewis, do you think can eat the most Dick's Burgers in one sitting? And then, what three players have the highest projection in our draft class? Thanks, guys. You Thanks, guys. You killed as always. Yo, before you said burgers in that question, I was like, Chris, we're not answering that. Like, that was about to be some wild. Like, when you read the sentence again, like, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> that was wild. Um, uh, that's a good – I don't know. I'm not going to say it's a good question. Uh, who? I mean, how many big dudes uh, did they sign? Maybe Alton? I have my guy uh, in my head, by the way. Uh, let's see. I'll go with Alton. I go all in the No, 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 no. I'll go with Kobe Parkinson. Oh, that was that. That was my pick. You, <laughs> you sniped it. I in my head, I was thinking Kobe the whole time. Athletic, big. He's got to be able to eat 15, 10, 15 burgers with ease. I wonder how many of those I could eat if I go back to eating beef. That'd be interesting. What was I, the other part of that question? What three players have the highest projection in our draft class? Projection like. In terms of being good. Who is? Oh. Pro- Highest projection, the highest ceiling. Who has the highest ceiling? There you go. Um, Three players. That is a good question. I would say probably, probably Daryl, Jordan, Daryl, Jordan. No, Damian, Daryl, and Jordan. In that order. I'll go with that. In that order. Nice. Okay. Well, we. Got the breaking news out. We did, we got it done, even though it happened after we already recorded. We got to this last Twitter question. Mike, is there anything else you want to add before we shake this time? <laughs> PSA to any Seahawks staffers listening to the show, go home. <laughs> go home. Oh, dang, they're probably already at home. Uh, put your Stay home. <laughs> yeah, go to sleep. Read a book. Take a walk. Make another child. I don't care what you do. <laughs> stop making transactions. That is all. I think we're good. All right, guys. We'll catch you later on. It's been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We thank you guys for the love and support of Twitter questions. We'll catch you guys later. We out.